folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. And I do mean all types. You've already heard me talk about Ariana Grande and Sir Elton John, not to mention, of course, the UFC, but that is just the beginning. You can also get tickets to The Nutcracker, The Mean Girls Musical, and basically every single sport there is, from basketball to horse racing. All of it, may I remind you, in a simple two-tap process. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That is free money, people. Credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31, 2019. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Well Actually, the Athletic MMA's podcast about MMA and other stuff. This is your host, Fernanda Prates, and this week I am not even going to waste our time by getting cute with this intro because, well, I would say that today's guest needs no introduction, but I have checked with legal and we don't want to get sued by David Letterman, so I'll just say that if you are here listening to this, you are certainly both familiar with my guest and also a fan of her work. For real, there are like zero people in the MMA world who do not love her. Except for maybe like the truly bad people, the ones who snitch tag fighters and still actively enjoy the music of Limp Bizkit. But in any case, enough with the suspense, you've probably guessed it anyway. Today, and this is a very exciting moment for me, I am joined by none other than Esther Lin. Yay! Producer Chris. Can we get a little fun sound effect here or something? I feel like this requires some fanciness. Okay, that works. So, yes, I am joined by Esther, who is both one of my all-time favorite human people in the entire planet and an amazing photographer. But, of course, you knew that already. It is impossible to miss Esther's work for MMA fighting, not only because she somehow teleports herself to every fight week, but because she manages to produce amazing content in every single one of them. I don't like using the word talent regularly because I feel like it diminishes the actual work that people put into stuff. And Esther works so hard that I almost, emphasis on almost, want to be like 20% less lazy. But she also has something extra, like a special gift or a hidden set of eyes. Or maybe she is actually a 640-year-old witch who's playing visual trickery on us. But I don't want to make any assumptions, which is why I'm giving Esther the chance to rebuff my accusations of witchcraft or confirm them, which would kind of just make me love her even more. Either way, hopefully I'll get to the bottom of it today. Stick around or leave. Whatever. Go listen to Limp Biscuit for all I care. It's your loss. Okay, so before we start, I have something to confess to my guests. Esther, this entire thing, this podcast, my international MMA career, it is all, it's been an elaborate ruse. It's all been part of my master plan to one day have my name associated with yours. So this is it. This is what I've been working for. This is the apex of my career. I'm retiring tomorrow, but no pressure. Thank you so much for making time and and joining me today. 
it's it's been it's been a good career. <laughs> I would say you've, you've I, had a good career. It's been a good run, I would argue. Uh, okay, so first thing, there's a lot. I'm so excited. You, I cannot contain my excitement. There's a lot that I want to talk to you about, but uh, I wanted to start with something. There's this sort of lazy thing that I do, which is like I ask people about their background so I don't have to do any actual research, and it totally works. It's very effective, and I want to do that <laughs> with you. But uh, first, I didn't. Need, I don't even want to start with MMA. Like I have this uh, curiosity in regards to photography for you. Cause like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll use an example of my life because that's what I do. I'm very narcissistic, but I I my quote unquote talent is writing, right? And people often ask me like, where did it begin for you? And I don't really have an answer because it just began. Like I was taught to write and just went from there. But I do have like one sort of defining moment in my childhood. I wrote this series of books called Zeloise Adventures. And it was about this kid called Zeloise. And it was not interesting at all because it's a kid and they don't do anything very interesting. But uh, when I look back on it, like that's my defining moment when it comes to writing. Obviously with photography, it's a little bit different. You need equipment, you need technique and other things. But do you have that like sort of the moment where you decided that this was your thing? Huh. Well, um, I would say maybe not because I didn't start out as a photographer. Mm. Um, I actually would consider myself a writer first. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I was in high school and younger, I did like a lot of fine arts. I did painting and that kind of stuff because my father is a painter, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to follow in the visual arts. And he had given me a small film camera, and I w- will admit the photos were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kept I kept taking pictures of everything we went to and. I would get the pictures back and I just didn't like any of them or one would turn out or, you know, the feet would be cut off, the heads would be cut (laughs) off. It just wasn't, I just was not good at it. And um, I ended up transitioning into creative writing and that put me in kind of, I I went to like a summer camp for kids who wanted to Mm -hmm. do creative things. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was there, I met a bunch of artists and I met kids that actually were photographers and people who did film and that kind of stuff and that kind of made me fall in love with the idea of writing stories Mm -hmm. so I went to school originally to write screenplays and that changed um, when I ran out of money in New York and came back to LA Um, and then I went into actual film school and I started learning the technical side of um operating a camera and found out that I really love that technical side a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm good with numbers and I remember random things like that. And I'm good with technology in general. So um, yeah, that kind of just kept snowballing. And then when I graduated, I was, you know, just milling around the film industry in LA and picking up gigs here and there. And one of the gigs I picked up was doing um, uh, production stills. Mm -hmm. So um I would say the f- that was when I started doing production stills and I started getting my photos back because um, I was still shooting on film at the time. I mm-hmm. uh, was finally like, oh, I do know how to do this. I'm getting better. <laughs> it just took practice. Um, I shouldn't yeah. have given up so easily. Um, I just kept doing that for music videos and for productions. And then I did one mm-hmm. for like a Russian film. And that was the first time I'd seen a picture of mine on a cover of a magazine. And so that kind of did it, I think, probably. 
Wow, that is to me that is already very like interesting because maybe I'm I don't know things, so that's a possibility. But we've known each other for a long time, and I think like we you've just become so associated with photography in my mind that I'm kind of like, no, that's Esther's like thing. Obviously, you do a bunch of other things, but that I think to the MMA world is the main thing. So I just kind of like assumed that it, you had been doing it forever. <laughs> like you just don't think that people had to learn to do it. And it's you, you haven't listened to my intro yet, but I do mention, I did mention right away that I avoid using the word talent because I think sometimes it takes away from the actual hard work and the actual like practice that people put into things. So it seems like photography was something that it took a lot of just work and practice and trial and error for you. Yeah, it did actually take a lot more practice um, than I think most people would assume that it's a talent. I think most people think that it's something that just comes naturally. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's the same thing with writing and with everything you you think mm -hmm. you may have um I think a lot about this because you you may have the taste and you have like uh the right intentions but your mm -hmm. but your actual um execution of your ideas is not going to be even close to the way it is in your head for a while you have to just keep going at it and I felt I felt that way when I was taking photos at first. I was like, I saw this thing in my head. And then when I would get the photo back, I'd be like, that is not what I saw in my head. <laughs> and you would just keep Same working with writing, towards though. it. <laughs> yeah, you just keep working towards it until you're like, yes, this is finally what I was trying to say. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I, and actually the reason why I think most people don't know that I didn't always do photography is because I've been doing photography for so long. This is mm -hmm. uh, my 10th year with MMA fighting and my 12th year in the sport, uh, it'll be 13, you know, in April. So um, that's a long time to be doing something. Um, yeah. I think I had a conversation with Jose Youngs on our site last week, and he was saying, I realized that Esther, you've been doing this longer than I've even been interested in the sport, you know, or longer than he because he was like in high school when when I started working. You know, <laughs> so he's embarrassingly young, though, I think. I yeah. <laughs> But I just I realized that like now I'm meeting people who are like, oh, how did you get here so yeah. fast and all that stuff? And I'm like, well, actually, well, I'm just bad. I just been kind of doing it for a really long time. I just look young, but I'm actually not. How did how did fighting come into play, though? Like you said, 13 years. Uh, so when when did it when did it start? Uh, I don't even know if it was MMA or, or boxing, but just tell me about those the beginning with with fighting. Um, so the beginning actually came from production. So uh, okay. My husband, Casey, uh, mm -hmm. he um, has always been a... with him. Total asshole. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he is a total ahead. asshole. It's okay. <laughs> um, he um, uh, did production and editing in Los Angeles. That's actually how we mm -hmm. met on, you know. Um, and uh, he uh, got hired to do a sizzle reel and a pilot for a reality show um, about mm -hmm. some MMA promoter. Mm -hmm. And this was like in 2006, I think. Yeah um early 2006 and we did not know anything about MMA we didn't know anyone I I the only exposure I've had to it was I watched um the K1 New Year's shows because yeah. um that's like a family tradition to watch like Japanese television on New Year's I don't know why <laughs> um <laughs> and uh yeah we just got hired to do this and so I got came into co I was basically thrown into this world and I was following around um Uh, Jared Shaw, better known as Scala, and um, Gary Shaw from Elite XC, mm -hmm. and this was before they named the company too. Um, mm -hmm. And we were there for the early days when they were planning out how to how to start an MMA promotion. And so, 
all of that kind of just, um, I don't know. I, I Every time I pick up something, I throw myself into it completely. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I started doing it, I was like, this is really interesting. These people are mm-hmm. crazy. Um, <laughs> and then um, after the pilot was shot and that didn't work out and Casey just kind of got the company was like, well, we don't have a videographer. Will you come and just work for us? You know, he started working for Elite XC. Um, he had to go to a fight, local fight um, that Elite XC was streaming at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you come with me? You know, bring your camera. And so I did. And that's when I was like, oh, I like this. Because I yeah. brought my camera. I took some photos. The photos turned out good. And I was like, hey, I already know how to do this. <laughs> this is exciting. Um, and I just fell in love with that, you know. And uh, I I think I ordered a pay-per-view like the next month. And things were just snowballed from there. I was just so um, enamored with the um, – I, I think this is also from a storyteller and writing perspective. Is like I was so mm-hmm. enamored with the stories and just yeah. the ups and downs just within a fight or just mm-hmm. within the week. Um, mm-hmm. There was so much. It was so rich. Um, so I just, yeah, I just dove right in. That is, uh, when you say these things, like, it's so relatable to me because it was kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I started liking the sport before I started working with it, but it was almost simultaneous. Uh because there was a lot of just being at the right place at the right time. But I, I was the same thing. Like I was just, you talked about telling the stories and the ups and downs. And that's exactly what made me uh, really fall in love with it in a way that I was just really not expecting or anyone around me, my whole family was like, this is weird. You should just stop doing this. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. it's just crazy good. But uh, so you mentioned, you know, this is crazy. People are crazy. And we know that in MMA, um, the fight, like, in, among the fighters, there are many, many colorful characters. I always say that, like, it takes something for a person to be a cage fighter. It takes something different. Um, but I do find that the thing about MMA is that the people around it are also very colorful. And mm-hmm. I think that applies to media as well. And I think that in MMA media, media, there are a lot of people that you wouldn't necessarily associate with MMA. I would say I wouldn't associate you with MMA. I wouldn't associate me with MMA or a lot of other people who work in this. But here we are. <laughs> you have been here for 13 years. So my question for you is just, okay, so this all happened and it snowballed and you became enamored with it. But what has... I guess kept you going like what still makes you want to keep um covering fights and telling those stories huh well i think a lot of it comes from the fact that there are always more stories to tell and mm-hmm. i get a lot of fomo when i'm not at an event and oh, really? i see things happening and i when I'm watching a fight on TV, I can feel the images I would want to get, and mm-hmm. it bothers me that I'm not getting them. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I can I can absolutely understand what you're saying, but that is very uh, very interesting perspective. And you were just there at UFC 245. Which do you keep track? Like, do you know how many um, fights you've covered at this point? Uh, I haven't kept track. Um, somebody asked me like two years ago to tally it up because um there was a like a group of like og photographers that have been around since the early days and he was trying mm-hmm. to find out who had the most events mm-hmm. and i told him right away i was like i know it's not me because 
at that time, I didn't go to any fight nights. I only went to pay-per-views. Uh-huh. Um, Ooh, so fancy. I was like... <laughs> so I was <laughs> like... How do do pay-per-views? Like, you're like Giselle. You don't get out of the house for less than... I don't know how many millions. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just... I was like, oh, I, you know, it's got a... It's not that much. But I remember tallying it a couple years ago, and it was something like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, 180 at that point. Um, I would say... Uh, on average, I cover, I should probably photograph two events a month. So, you know, um, and then sprinkle in some boxing here and there and things like that. Uh, some months are busier than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, I don't know. A couple hundred. <laughs> it's still, it's still a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of traveling. Does it, does it make it easier that you, you have Casey, like that you mostly do things together? It does. I, I know it does because I look at other people who are also on the road with me and they mm-hmm. look a lot more tired. They seem kind of lonelier um, mm-hmm. because they don't have somebody to share the experience with mm-hmm. um, and also just someone to help. I mean, Casey and I, yeah. even though we have different jobs, we end up helping each other on our mm-hmm. in our tasks all the time. Um, and it's just nice to have support, somebody to bounce your ideas off of. Um, that's why I like when when I go to an event and we have like a full crew of, you know, two writers, Casey and me. Mm -hmm. And then I like it because then we kind of sit around and talk about it. And I think the coverage gets better when you have people to collaborate with and work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that I'm curious about, like on fight night, because the, the, the work that you do is very like, you have to be quick and you're like taking the pictures and uploading them and you have to like be very, uh, I guess, think on your feet a lot and, and mm-hmm. sort of like be on the move. But uh, as you're taking pictures, um, this is very abstract, by the way. I don't know if you have an easy answer for it, but like uh, trying to like transport myself into your brain for a little bit. Like when you're taking pictures of a fight, like uh, what are you processing at the moment? Like, can you try to like explain what your brain is thinking? What are you really focusing on? Or are you just kind of like on autopilot while it's happening? Um, for me, I think the main focus is actually focus. I'm just trying to make sure <laughs> that the image is sharp, uh, that it's in frame, um, that I'm following the action, um, and that I have a feel for uh, what's going to happen. Um, I try v- to watch a lot of fights. I tried to train a little bit as well just to get an idea of... Um, the kinds of movements that people make um, before they throw a punch or a kick um, or, you know, the lead into a submission and that kind of stuff. These are all things that, like, I uh, have tried to fill my brain with over the years so that it makes it easier for me when I'm watching or shooting a fight to recognize what's about to happen and to be ready. Um, but a lot of times you're just kind of catching up. Um, I, I don't have uh, room I guess, um, because of the Mm -hmm. excitement to really think Mm -hmm. about even the emotions or any of that kind of stuff yet at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is all just there, like bottled in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sometimes when I'm watching a fight, I just like uh, you at at the end of it, I'm like just full of emotion that's just exploding. (laughs) Do you get mad when you like miss? I'm going to use an example that I even joked about at 245 just now because you tweeted you tweeted a picture and you're like in yeah. case you're wondering if it comes and I even joke like here's a sober reminder that even Esther is human <laughs> when you when you <laughs> don't get the shot like do you get angry like or upset or, or like does it bother you in any way oh yeah it bothers me so much <laughs> the, I think the um 
I I think people have definitely witnessed this, but I get the most upset when I get backstage and Casey will ask me, oh, did you get that? And I'll be like, no, I didn't get it. If I got it, I would have posted it. And I get like really pissy with him because I'm like so angry with myself for not catching it. But I mean, a lot of times it really is just where you are. I mean, because you've seen it where we're assigned a position so we can't actually move. Mm -hmm. You're you stay there the entire time. So um if it happens somewhere where you can't see, and for the most part, there are there are a good eight positions you can shoot from where you can't see a quarter of the cage. Um, mm. So 245, there was, you know, a pole to my right and, of course, a ref. So there's a lot of instances where you won't be able to see what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. And even though those are extenuating circumstances, I still feel mm. like it's my fault that I couldn't yeah. get the shot. And I will <laughs> always feel bad. I can absolutely relate to that. <laughs> like, this is in no way my fault, but I'm still yeah. pissed at myself. Uh, we talked about you doing other things um, than photography. And I think one recent endeavor, I don't know, even know if you guys are still doing it. Uh, I might have just missed uh, the the past few episodes, but you were doing the, this is a, this is an MMA new show uh, at mm-hmm. MMA Fighting. And you switched roles for that, right? You were in front of the camera. So... How, um, yeah, so my first question, is that still going on? Uh, it is not going on, but um, not because of the deluge of nev- negative comments I get. Um, you got a deluge of, nev- of negative comments? I did, but you know, it's funny, It's mostly it was mostly about my appearance. Uh, um, I was going to get into this, but okay. Most people were just upset that I was wearing a wig. It's really funny how people are really upset by fake hair. I don't, I don't know why, it's just... just triggers to use the what? term of the day um just triggers people they just right right away they're like oh this is your wig is stupid i'm like ah oh. so they just stop listening and that, that and the tone they didn't get it that's fine yeah. but the, we actually ended up canceling it not because of that but because mm-hmm. it was an extreme amount of work to do it well um yeah, i can imagine like looking yeah. at it it seemed like a very polished product yeah it just took a lot of time and you have to have a decent size space to do any kind of green screen stuff um has to be lit well otherwise it looks bad mm-hmm. uh graphic motion graphics all that kind of stuff just takes a lot of time energy processing um and we also couldn't get our other writers and contributors to um be they weren't able to contribute the same production to us mm-hmm. from from the from remotely so mm-hmm. um the show was uneven yeah and um uh, I didn't like that, and I wanted to, you know, shelve it until we had the means to do mm-hmm. a cleaner version of it. So, yeah. Like, okay, so rewind. Just, it's interesting because, like, you came out of this spot of being behind the camera to be in front mm-hmm. of that. You talked about the negative comments, and that's the thing that we know comes with the territory. I mean, mm-hmm. you probably because you have a very soothing voice, so you probably didn't get that. But like, even with the voiceovers, like what I found in my experience is that even when people heard my female voice, like it became a thing when, you know, just like a different thing than it is with guys. So uh, I guess first, was it at all like uh, scary for you, I guess, to make that transition and to put yourself in front of the camera like that? It was, I was worried about it a lot. Um, Like I don't, wear makeup day to day and I put a little bit of makeup on for that because I felt mm-hmm. like very self-conscious about the way I looked um, and I started finding myself being extremely self-conscious about the way I looked 
Um, wow. Even though I'm always behind the camera and now I'm in front of it and it just, it made, it gave me anxiety to think about my appearance. Um, uh, what we were talking the about. The comments probably didn't really help. <laughs> no, the comments didn't help. And it's funny how you said about your voice because if you go through like my old episodes of Focus, a lot of, like, mm-hmm. obviously there are a lot of people who are like, oh, your voice is so soothing, comments, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, there are a decent amount of comments that are just like, what is this bitch saying? This woman should shut up. I, you know. And then last week when um, we were doing the um, uh, A side mm-hmm. with Jose and I, um, when we're all in town together, we like to do a live yeah. version. Um, where we are all together in the same room and I like to read the questions. So, mm-hmm. um, And it was fine until the very, like maybe like the last five minutes, there were two people who were just commenting like, who is this woman on the who, on the broadcast and um, why? what does she know about MMA? Um, and I was like, ugh, I thought I was going to get through a whole hour of, you know, doing this without having to read that, but then it happens. So I feel like now it happens every time Mm -hmm. and I have to, it's so hard to remember not to pay attention to it because Mm -hmm. even though, because no one's going to go out of their way to give you a compliment. That's just not going to happen. But people will definitely go out of their way to insult you. And, (laughs) and I think you just have to remember that positive stuff is just, never gonna make somebody get out of their way to like i'm no you're not gonna get a hundred positive comments just because that's something that people go oh that's good and then they just move on they don't Mm -hmm. take the time to like sit there and tell you it's good they just Mm -hmm. appreciate it and then move on um but for negative stuff they're always gonna voice it and so for me like just being able to look at that and be like okay esther this is not really anything to do with you clearly it's this person's problem Mm -hmm. just ignore it it's so hard, though. I'm sure it's so hard I for you. I absolutely just... get <laughs> No, I totally get what you're saying because, like, you're telling yourself these uh, things that you know to be true because it's logic. Like, who is this guy? Like, why do I care about what he's... And I'm saying this guy because it's always a guy. Uh, we know it's always a guy. So it's like, why do I... Or 90% of the time. But, y- you know, like, you know mm-hmm. better than to care and to let that ruin your day. But I think there's a lot of truth to that, like, that... The, ne- the positive stuff, uh, it's very easy to ignore. Because, like, for, for instance, just now you're talking about how people don't really go out of their ways to say nice things. And looking at you on, uh, from my view, on social media, like, I always saw all these people saying this and these amazing things about your work. So mm-hmm. to me, you're one of the most, like, I, I think you're, I see you kind of like a unicorn because you have these voices and these opinions that you do not mm-hmm. shy away from. Like, you, you, you're very, like, vocal and at the same time i feel like people really respond well to you but i think that um you feeling that way is sort of a reflection of that and i probably like come across just the same because it's like it's very easy to not really pay attention to the positive stuff that much but the negative it really it sticks with you at least it does with me even when there's something stupid about people getting angry about a wig like it's i'm sure that you know better than to like read it or pay any attention to it. But I think like some part of us, at least with me, I definitely do end up paying attention to it. Yeah. You, you know, um, I try really hard not to um, engage online with anybody that sends that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff my way. Um, Mm -hmm. I look at my comments and um, anyone who 
says anything ridiculous gets muted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. you know, um, and I realized when I looked through it, I was like, now I've managed to kind of clean up my mentions enough that mm-hmm. I don't really see a lot of that stuff. Yeah, um, but when I do, I can't help but internalize it. So instead of yeah. me fighting the person online because mm-hmm. I, this is just how I've always been. I will just go like sit down and cry, you know. <laughs> I will just sit down on my couch and just mope, you know, mm-hmm. um, or just hug my dog and be upset. And yeah. it's just something that I've always, that's always how I've dealt with it is like, if, if somebody really, really makes me sad, I just feel it. I, I can't yeah. get around it. I can't, uh, I don't channel it into anything else. Uh, <laughs> I just get sad. Um, yeah. And I think my only way to combat it was to really actively try to thank people for being nice when they're not <laughs> creepy. Uh, if they're yeah. nice, um, <laughs> so that people can to s- note. <laughs> yeah, so there's, they can see the like, example. There's creepy nice. We don't want that. We just want yeah. like nice, nice. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy nice. <laughs> no, I I totally. Um... Yeah, again, like really resonates with me because I you have like a lot more followers and you've been doing this longer than I have. So I think the proportions are different, uh, but I totally um, I can absolutely relate to that experience. And you actually uh, tweeted me uh, when I did the episode about looks and you mentioned mm-hmm. something about like the tweet that you got mm-hmm. about people, how they hope that you went back to being hot Esther. Like, did mm-hmm. they reply to a tweet? Just say that to you? Uh, yeah, it was a it was a picture. Uh, I think I posted a selfie of um, me and Casey driving somewhere. I can't remember what it was now. Um, but uh, yeah, we were I just posted a selfie of us working or doing something. And mm-hmm. uh, the guy had responded like, you know, I hope you can go back to being hot Esther. And I you know, it, that kind of stuff plays into my plays right into my insecurities because I am mm-hmm. older. I started, you know, this when I was 25 or whatever. I'm 38 now. And um, I have gained weight. I have changed. I mean, but that's normal aging process. Like for somebody that works as much as we do, um, I actually, I'm on the road so much. I don't have time to exercise, eat right, all this kind of stuff. And I know that that's something that you just have to prioritize. But for me, I prioritize sleep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that's crazy that we even have to think about that stuff, right? Like uh, that to me is just like, of course, people are going to say mean things about everyone. Even like uh, when you were, I think you're doing the A-side and people are talking about the hipster hair or something like they were talking about everyone. But um, I think this is something that's, and you feel free to tell me I'm projecting, but I, I think you'll agree. Like this is something that's very much, uh, a part of the female experience, right? That we don't have to, that we not, don't only, not only have to worry, like you said, because you're doing something different. Like whenever I did something on camera, it was something that I was very uncomfortable doing because I wasn't mm-hmm. used to it. Uh, and I did it for MMA Junkie. I don't do it anymore. Praise the freaking Lord. Uh, but <laughs> when I do it, I'd just be uncomfortable for all the reasons that you're uncomfortable doing something new. But then I had the added layer of knowing that people were going to like scrutinize everything about my Mm -hmm. face and uh i don't think that that happens with the guys as much like they're gonna get one thing or two but what i feel with us um is that like it's the norm 
right? Like it's less with them. It's kind of like it happens. And with us, it's like it really happens. Yes. Uh, I um, I can't remember where I, I had read this, but I think that true, uh, true equality and liberation will come when women are allowed to be mediocre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Preach. Absolutely. Like when we don't have to to like work twice as hard and, and put in three times the work, right? Yeah. So I it's like I got to this point and, you know, I feel like I had to work so hard and I had to um, really go out of my way. The first couple of years I was doing this, I felt like um, I was running around crazy. Just I was spending a lot of my own money. Um, mm-hmm. I was just trying so hard to up my game that, um, I, I think a lot of things got put on the wayside. I know like, um, Casey and I talk about this a little bit. It's like, we had always wondered about whether we were doing, going to start a family or doing all this other stuff. But for me, I was like, I have to put my career first. It's so difficult to get established. And I just kept going head first into that. And then mm-hmm. I looked back and I was like, well, why and anytime I, I realize that anytime I turn in something that's just kind of okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm like I'm filled with all this regret, but I also notice people are like react to it very strongly. They're like, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah. it doesn't suck. It's just eh. It's okay. <laughs> it's just average. Like it happens. We're not going to yeah. be on our A game every day. Yeah, it's just average. But other people, other men, I would say, are actually allowed to be average more often, you know? Yeah. It's okay for them to turn in a podcast that's kind of like meandering and whatever. And which is why I said when you called me to do this and you said, oh, you know, there's a producer and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, of course there is. You're a professional, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's I totally, the thing. Yeah, like, yeah I, I, sorry not to interrupt, but that I just absolutely agree with you there. Because it's like, and I think that there's an issue of representation there too. Like, um and this is something that I think touches on what you're saying, like when you're the only or one of the few women or of any group doing something like Mm -hmm. there's uh, like you said, there's the visibility and there's the pressure too, because you feel like you're representing something bigger than yourself. Right. Like if this guy sucks at this, he sucks for himself. Like if Mm -hmm. I suck at something that women don't usually do, then women suck at this. (laughs) Right. Uh, Do you kind of feel that too in your experience? I definitely feel that way. And this actually ties back into your earlier question about what keeps me going. Um, Why am I still doing this even after all this time? And there are definitely times when I'm exhausted and I'm tired of seeing people I like getting beat up. And (laughs) Yeah, true. Because it gets you. That's the thing I I don't think a lot of people realize. Like, it's actually taxing to see people get hurt. Yes. Kind of like, right? It's so taxing. And, you're, and I'm so close. Like I'm sometimes they get hurt right like inches from my face too. And stuff mm-hmm. like that just really um, sears into your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, going back to that is like sometimes I do feel I was like, ah, but I have a responsibility, you know, um, mm-hmm. as the, you know, premier female in this space that I have to like continue going and then I realized no it's actually not my responsibility to keep going Mm -hmm. just for that um but while I'm here I'm gonna make the most of it um and I am gonna do my best to use my voice and my platform um but um it isn't it isn't my responsibility and it isn't all women's responsibility to represent their gender yeah 
and it, it hurts the work too i think because it keeps you like at least for me it's kept me scared to do things that i think other men could like kind of try and fail and feel mm-hmm. like they just oh maybe i'll try it and not be good at it and that's fine and when you're like holding yourself back from opportunities it hurts your like your professional opportunities at your career so i'm very Brendan Chobbish today, like repeating things and doing weird math. Sorry. <laughs> well, but uh, I absolutely get what you're saying in that. And I think that it does. I feel like looking back, it has hurt me professionally, just like being scared of certain things that at the time, maybe I didn't process that way. But now that I do, like, I kind of feel like part of it is, I think, maybe personality, like I'm a perfectionist. So I'm, I'm just, I just have that within me. But at the same time, uh, and I don't mean that in a humble brag kind of way. I think it's awful. <laughs> I wish I could just be able to just be okay at things. Sometimes you just have to. But uh, I do feel like part of it was just like taking on a responsibility that we shouldn't really be taking on in the first place. Yes. Uh, that um, for sure, uh, being scared is a huge thing because I did an on-camera interview, like, I don't know, like, I want to say like six or seven years ago, I think. Uh, with Susumu Nagao, who's a photographer in Japan, who mm-hmm. did a lot of the yeah. early UFCs. Um, mm-hmm. And he was out here, uh, he had an art show, and I interviewed him. And I was so nervous for that. I really didn't want to be on camera. I didn't want to do it. But I couldn't think of anybody else that knew enough about his work to do it. Um, so I did it. And then I haven't really done anything in front of the camera since, you know. And then I did mm-hmm. like one one breakfast with Carlos Condit and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just in general, like Casey's always trying to get me in front of the camera and he's always trying mm-hmm. to get me to say more things because I, it is, <laughs> we have been in this business so long. I have seen a lot. Yeah. I have a lot to say. Um, and I'm not terrible at saying it. However, I am just so frightened of every, every moment. Like I'm just, there are times when, there's actually a, an incident when uh, Shaheen Al Shadi and I, did a post show for a fight card in Arizona. And we actually ended up scrapping it because before the show, we were talking and we were totally vibing. And as Mm -hmm. soon as the camera went on, I shut down and I was just repeating myself. I had no idea what I was going to say anymore. I was just nervous. And I got so sad and nervous that I couldn't and fearful that I just had nothing to say. And we ended up having to stop recording because I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm sorry. I thought I could do this, but I can't. Um, And a lot of that just comes from just, you just have to keep putting yourself out there. Like we were saying, you have to be allowed to fail. You have to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually you'll get there. And I will say, yeah, we definitely hold ourselves back from our opportunities because we're scared mm-hmm. of the, I don't know, the blowback or whatever, the comments or all that yeah. kind of stuff. And you just, um, it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of how this goes. And I, Visibility is the best cure for that is to just Mm -hmm. see a lot of other women out there doing it women of color doing it and then you're like okay i can i can do that yeah and i absolutely that's the thing that's the key to me because a lot of people are like oh people are just not used to it like they're not used to listening to a female voice doing saying certain things like they're not used to seeing a female face talking certain things and well, tough fucking tits. Get used, Get used to it. To it. Like, that's <laughs> that's the antidote. Like people are like, oh, but they they see enough of it. They're gonna get used to it. So as long as you know they have to see it, and I I totally and I think a lot of it, like you said, it's practice. Like you have to do it, and you have to be bad at it. Even like with the 
little time I was at Junkie, like from my first interview, and I remember it because it was Lena Lensberg, the first time they put me on camera. And again, I was drag kicking and screaming to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it it was horrendous. Like I sucked because I, I, I just couldn't do it. Like it was bad. I was just so nervous. And like you said, it happened the same thing to me. I just shut, I had all my questions. Like I've been in this business for 10 years. I know things. I knew what to ask her. The minute the camera was on, I was like, Psh. I died. My brain was like, I do not want to be here anymore in this situation. So I totally get that. This is, uh, I think this ties back to something. Since we're doing a therapy session here, that's <laughs> my thing. I like it. Uh, I like to think, think of myself as the Oprah of <laughs> podcasts, <laughs> but like broke. Uh, <laughs> I was actually looking up, uh, looking some stuff up on you. And I saw this interview that you gave, I think it was about, about three years ago, something like, 10 questions with, with Esther Lynn. And uh, in a bit of it, somebody asked you to give like advice to upcoming photographers, like people who wanted to break into the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, you ended it. And this really stuck with me again, because it really resonated. Um, uh, I have a hard time giving advice because I'm still not very confident and I don't consider myself successful. That was a couple of years ago, but I read it. I was like, Oh my God, like Esther is like the most successful person. And she doesn't, if she doesn't think she's successful, like we're all doomed. But at the same time, I could absolutely understand the feeling because if somebody says I'm successful, I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> all those years later, like uh, all those years, I think it was three years ago. It was, it didn't seem that old. They didn't have a date, but they had like a McGregor picture. So I know that it's not that old, mm -hmm. but um, do you like consider like now that you look at your career and all that you've done, do you consider yourself successful now? Huh. Um, yeah, I guess I would consider myself successful, but, um, more just, I think I've done the things I've wanted to do. I've, um, and I've conducted myself in a way that I'm proud. Um, I would say not by my parents' standards, I'm not successful. <laughs> um, well, what did he want, though? Like, you I mean, work for NASA or, like, win a Pulitzer or something? They they, they wanted me to be, a, you know, a rich doctor or something uh, okay, along it. those lines. Um, <laughs> but, uh, which is fine. That's what every parent wants, right? Your kid's got to yeah. be rich. Um, but I'm happy. And I think that that's... Yeah. That's that was the goal is just to to get to a point where I enjoy what I'm doing and um, yeah. I'm good at it and I get paid for it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, that is. Yeah. And uh, what do you do? Like I I talk to I talk about this a lot on the show, but I have a lot of issues with just confidence and just like even being a very vocal person like I am, like I'm very thin skinned and I still find myself like very, I think I'm very insecure, um, mm -hmm. with many things, but mostly my work. Um, do you, how do you like, how do you keep yourself? I don't, I don't know if you would consider yourself confident, but because that's not something a flip you switch, but like, how do you work on that? Like, how do you work on telling yourself that you've earned and deserved the space that you occupy right now? Um, well, uh, as a fellow uh, sufferer of imposter syndrome, you kind of can't. You just kind of have to keep – you've got to just keep actively convincing yourself. So um, last week, um, Eric Coleman, who's a photographer for Balanji Group and who used to shoot for Bellator, he said to me, um, you know, like you're like the most respected person in this, right? And I was like, what? You're crazy. 
Um, <laughs> and I just, even though I hear nice things said to me a lot, people are very kind to me and say very nice things to me. I just, it doesn't, I, it doesn't make it in, you know, like I, I, I try to, um, I want to absorb it because I know it's, it's just rude to disregard things people say to you. Yeah. Um, um, but at the same time, it's just so hard to really believe in yourself that way. It's such a, it's a strength that um, I don't think I have, but I also think that that's um, fine. I think it's okay for me to constantly be working on it. And it obviously helps me stay grounded um, and keeps me from uh, getting stagnant, I guess, or, or not trying because I have yeah. to remember that um, that I can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. I have to actually get better at my craft. Um, these are all things that I want for myself, not just for my, you know, my work. But um, mm -hmm. I just want to be better at things because I like being good at shit. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome, right? The bad part is being bad at it first. Like that part sucks. But being good at shit is awesome. Yeah. So I think the confidence just came <laughs> with just... It does. I do, actually don't feel confident. If if you've ever asked me right after a fight how I how I thought I did that night, you'll mm -hmm. always hear me say, oh, "I did okay, all right, yeah. that's all right." And and everyone is always like, "Ugh, so <laughs> it's so annoying." And then it's like, but it's just it's honestly how I feel. Like I I don't uh -huh. feel accomplished at the end of a show. I don't even if I get a great shot. I don't feel like I've done anything. The only time I was ever like maybe truly excited was when I got the Holly Holm head kick of Rhonda only because like mm. there was so it was so big and there were so many other circumstances leading up to it yeah. that when I saw that I for sure got it um I just got like I just like squealed <laughs> <laughs> and right at that moment a friend of mine who was at a bar watching at a bar in um I don't know, somewhere in America called me and I, I and would not normally pick up the phone, but I uh -huh. picked up the phone because I was like, oh, my God, I got to tell you. <laughs> this is awesome. I was actually going to ask you about, like, I'm sure everybody just, what are your favorite pictures? And you probably, it's probably hard to pick one. And I, so my question is less, what are your favorite pictures? But since you mentioned this moment and the circumstances, like, uh, can you think of, you just mentioned one, but other moments uh, in fighting that may or may not have translated to good pictures that you were just happy that you were there to witness. Huh. Um, um, going back to St. It's hard on the spot. Yeah, I, it's hard to think about that stuff on the spot. I should have like warned you in advance. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> um, well, sticking, oh, it's actually a good time because I've been uh, you know, we're coming towards the end of the year and I'm trying to put together like my best of the decade stuff. Oh, okay. So I have actually been thinking about it a lot. And so I would say uh, one of the things I was really glad I was there for was uh, Ronda's debut in UFC. Mm -hmm. um, I was really happy oh, awesome. that I was there for that and there for mm -hmm. that emotional moment um, and totally okay with the fact that I cried. Um, <laughs> you cried? And, yes. I had tears wait, in my wait, eyes. when she walked out? Uh, yes, um, oh, because it cute. it just it was just so it was just such a big moment, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I was just so proud. Um, and, mm -hmm. and the other times that I was I felt like this also were when like, say, like I was um, part of the very um, 
I was part of the early Invicta events and I was actually part of the mm-hmm. staff and seeing um, all these fighters together. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big things um, all the women had expressed to me is that they were super excited to finally get professional photos taken of them because if they've been bat, you know, um, kind of a, uh, bumbling about about the uh, amateur and the local circuit, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just like some guy showing up with a on-camera flash being like, here, stand against this wall. I'm going to take a picture of you, you know, mm-hmm. and, they, and that gets put into the poster. Um, yeah. And just the idea of somebody um, putting on make, like bringing a makeup artist, bringing someone to do mm-hmm. hair, somebody just like caring about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the way that they felt about it and how um, much confidence it brought them to have us care about them and treat them like high-level professionals. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that all it takes for um, women's fighting to succeed would just be that, just to treat people like professionals and treat them like the talent and the hardworking people that they are and the the fighters that, the, that they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's all for me. Like, I'm really glad I was at those moments. It, It's funny. I, I, I'm not trying to only think about moments that revolve around women. It just happens to be that way because I'm a woman. Yeah. And yeah. my one of my most memorable photos, and I always kind of regret that this is my most memorable photo um, for a different reason, but is Cyborg punching Gina during their fight. Mm-hmm. And she's like kind of holding her head. And it's a very menacing photo. Um mm-hmm. And one of the things that people don't understand by why that image is so frightening is because one of the things that actually made me not a great photographer over the cage for a long time is I'm short. And that's that's essentially eye level with me. And that's not a view most people get. You don't get mm-hmm. to be eye level with the fighters ever. Mm-hmm. But for me, you do because I'm tiny. And that's my <laughs> perspective. Um, even when I'm standing on top of a four foot box. Um, so, um, like that kind of stuff, just all those moments, I, I was just so glad to be a part of that. You know, like I was also, um, like I hate watching Fedor lose, but I was really happy that I was there when Verdum submitted him because Mm -hmm. it was just such a moment. Like there's just Mm -hmm. things that you want to be there for. I was glad, so thankful to have experienced, um, a live Japanese New Year's show, you know, um. That kind of stuff, like things that yeah. I think that I definitely wouldn't have done. Like I've been to Japan all my life throughout my childhood, um, mm-hmm. but I'd never been to one of those events. And when I finally actually got to see the um, the spectacle, you know, and the yeah. the big show and actually uh, at one of the dream shows, I actually met the show director and I got to watch him plan it out and just how creative he was and just to watch somebody who definitely had a vision in mind um Mm -hmm. and him going about it uh all of that stuff i'm so so grateful that i um got to experience all of that awesome i think uh what you mentioned about um to just go on a more positive note because you mentioned the ronda debut and i actually touched on this with uh, leslie and lauren when they were on the show like um for all that we've been talking that we and that I talk all the time about all the ways in which being a woman um in this industry in the world really but also in this industry is hard like I do feel um a hint of optimism I want to say just because 
I think now, like, we're having much better conversations than we were, like, five years ago. Like, especially with our... I think our male counterparts are now more open to listening to us. It's what I... It's my impression. I think, like, this podcast wouldn't have existed a few years ago just because uh, I don't think... Uh, a lot of people were willing to pay attention or to take our gripes as valid. And now, like, of course, the most people won't. But I do feel like uh, I do sense a sort of like openness that I didn't a few years ago. Um, just m more people willing to to listen, really. Um, so my question is really, do you feel that way too? Like, are you at all optimistic about the way we're having certain conversations now versus five years ago? Yeah, I am super optimistic about it. And I do think it's true because now we are seeing. So there were always like um, female sideline reporters, I guess mm -hmm. we call them in MMA, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Heidi Andral, um, yeah. Karen Bryant. Um, but like they um, when they brought in Laura Sanko, I thought um, this is uh, different because now we get to have someone who was a fighter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's that um, air of uh, authority in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, I think it is changing um, and it's changing not because of what's happening in MMA, but because of what's happening all over. Um, uh, have you seen that? You've probably seen that ESPN spot with the um, the four uh, this the ESPN sportscasters, the females all talking about how what are we going to do to ruin football? Or ruin yeah, sports for amazing. men. <laughs> I love um, that one. <laughs> um, and a lot of it, like, I feel like a lot of the positive stuff is coming from people like Katie Nolan from Charlotte Wilder, people who are funny in the space mm -hmm. um, because they're able to laugh about it and kind of mm -hmm. um, make light of it. And I don't know if you watch like um, Around the Horn or any of that kind of stuff on ESPN, yeah. but. I looked up at the TV the other day and I saw three women on screen mm -hmm. uh, out of four people on the TV mm -hmm. and they were not talking about women's sports. Mm -hmm. um, it was like Sarah Spain, Mina Kimes. And I was just like, this is so awesome. I, mm -hmm. uh, and it just like, made me realize and I looked at their their feedback online and I kind of look at the comments that people give them and I realize it is changing because they're getting a lot less comments just about them being women and more of the comments are just about their opinions um or what they're saying or the sports reporting that they're doing and um all of that is just because of visibility you just keep mm -hmm. going you just keep being seen and eventually I, I mean it's, people had to and what's crazy is that that I think the numbers are better that way. I felt this way about well, women's fighting too, when they wouldn't like head when they only headlined certain cards with women or this or that. But then when they first headlined um, a Fox card with women, the ratings were through the roof. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, yeah, that's because women can fight too, and they're just as exciting, <laughs> and their stories are valid. People want to watch it, you know. Um, and I, it, that's all that is is just like taking that chance. Do, putting it on and then having enough people see it hear it and listen to it and then they realize that it's the same experience uh my friend ed off uh kind of explained to me that the reason why a lot of um actually his wife lee explained this to me more clearly because she's an educator is that um a lot of times uh, men have uh 
a negative view of women's voices because so many um, their memories of women's voices are teachers mm-hmm. and people who uh, honestly were trying to do a good thing by educating them or whatever. But uh, forever, for whatever reason in their mind, it's, mm-hmm. it's a punitive uh, vo- tone. Um, and so you'll find a lot of people are just like annoyed when women talk because they think of their moms telling them what to do or their teachers telling them what to do or whatever, instead of just thinking, hey, that's a f- another person, another yeah. f- person who happens to be female, you know? Um, and I think as we open up and we just keep doing, like I said, having someone like Katie Nolan being in a comedic presence mm-hmm. in this space, having just all of that just like widening um, our, I don't know, scope and tone, Um really helps to uh, ensure that uh, we're n- people understand that we're not a monolith and we're not all the same. Yeah, not me preach. <laughs> I don't even have anything to add just because I could talk to you for a thousand hours, but I absolutely, I'm with you all the way there uh, in terms of just seeing more of us, I think will change, seeing the results changes mm-hmm. things, like you said, like seeing the numbers, because... I think there is a lot of assuming that people will not be interested in seeing women do this and do that. And then they're like, oh, I guess they are. And mm-hmm. also like one thing that I think we're closing and I think it also touches on something you said is the, uh, I call it the opinion gap. Because like you said, I feel like there was space for women who were there um, as, like you said, sideline reporters and things like that. Uh, but the opinion, like if you look at a panel, it's mm-hmm. men. Like, mm-hmm. And I think in MMA where... We're catching up. And like you said, you're, you're seeing things differently in other channels. And I think it will trickle down to MMA eventually. Uh, but I think that's the, the gap that we need to close the most now in terms of just media and why I keep badgering everyone and talking on Twitter. Like, dude, if you're a guy and you want to be an ally, like maybe try having a woman on your show. Like, Just try it. Just just mm-hmm. for kicks. Uh, because I do think that that's the one part that... Um, I feel like we're still a little slow to conquer, but in everything mm-hmm. else, not we're slow to conquer, that uh, the world is slow to accept. And hopefully, I think we're making strides and I see I see the same progress as you have. Like I said, um, well, I could talk to you for a, a thousand days, but <laughs> I think Chris is going to be really mad if we keep him here forever. So I'm just going <laughs> to close this off by asking. <laughs> um, I, I just want to hear from you. Like, So you taught you... you sort of shelved that that, pro- that project with MMA fighting for a little while. But, I mean, looking forward, what are the things that you still want to do? Like, do you have any career or life plans that you're, you're you know, like when you look into your future, like are, are there other things that you want to try or other goals that you want to achieve? Like, or are you just kind of like, I'm just kind of like flowing and going with the wind. <laughs> I, ask, I ask this very hard question to other people because it's not asked to me. But uh, do you have any any goals or, or any things that you still want to do with your career um, that are more like solid plans? Uh, I don't have solid plans for this, but I would really like to get published. I would really like some mm. books of my workout. Um, I... I Still, I'm I'm a fan of books myself, and mm-hmm. photo books are amazing. And th- having, I get the um, pleasure of getting to see my favorite photos very large because uh, yeah. I have a very large monitor at home, and I've printed a couple of them out poster size just for fun mm-hmm. or for friends. And 
I feel like most people should get to see them that way. And I would that one of the things that I'm really sad that I, I can't believe I still haven't done. But in some ways, I can see why and this goes back to your perfectionist thing, too. It's just, mm-hmm. I haven't had a gallery show. I know a lot of people in this business who are photographers who have had like, mm-hmm. their works exhibited and stuff like that. And I've never done that. And I would still like to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I feel like everyone should get to see these pictures the size of a wall like I you know um, if you get to see them 20 by 30 you'd be I don't know it's just it's even better it's so much more fun Um, it's so much more real and that's something I would really like to do still Um, I would like to bring the MMA news show back but I think it'll end up just being like kind of like a podcast thing where Mm -hmm. I just kind of read you the weekly news because I still feel like that is something that's just missing there's no real uh, like just normal recap without opinion Mm -hmm. That is just Mm -hmm. what happened this week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that people didn't understand about that either was that they wanted an opinion or this or that. And I was like, no, I just want to give you the facts. Why doesn't anyone want facts anymore? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm just making it easy for you so you don't have to click on everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and you were right about, um, sorry, I just wanted to go back really quick. I know. I'm sorry, Chris, um, about uh, (laughs) the opinion gap. Um, only because I thought about this when, um, when, you know, when Ariel left for ESPN and, you know, um, we had, uh, had to recast the beat and we brought in Phoenix, mm-hmm. I was just so happy finally to have a woman on the show because it just sucked that it was always only men and mm-hmm. not because the show was bad, but just that like, Hey, those guys all have kind of the same perspective about, about this stuff. And of- oftentimes when they were talking, they hardly ever disagreed or even really uh, veered off of each other's uh, opinions on things because, well, they all have kind of the same experience. Um, yeah. And I think that it's not just about women either. It's about people of color too. Like mm-hmm. there just aren't enough like different voices in the space. Um, and that I I know that's something that I actually would like to dedicate myself to as well. I really mm-hmm. um, want to, uh, moving forward, um, next year I have a goal of um, putting together more uh, high-quality programming, I guess, for MMA fighting that involves um, just more people and more creative people and and, and just um, more people you haven't seen and more things you haven't considered. Yeah, more, more that I can absolutely get on board with that. Uh, so I guess internet, we have a mission. We have to make sure Esther does her gallery <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> I want one of the... the principles i don't know how the words in english are hard but i want a big esther thing on my wall so (laughs) let's make that happen and i am absolutely on board like you said i do feel like the i speak of women because it's my experience and what i can speak on behalf of but i absolutely agree with you the lack of diversity is not just uh with women so i think that suggestion and that programming would be very much appreciated and welcomed. Uh, I think it now is the time to do it. And I would mm-hmm. for sure watch and enjoy the fuck out of that. <laughs> so <I> guess <laughs> that that unfortunately does it for today. Uh, it's been an enormous pleasure uh, to talk to you today. And again, I just Likewise. really want to thank you for for taking the time because I know you have a very super insanely busy schedule. So it really does mean a lot that you took the time to do this today. It means a lot to me that you would consider before this. I'm really honored. Aww.
Sweet. Okay. So before I cry, I almost cry at the end of every uh, every time I have a guest. I'm just gonna <laughs> sign off. <laughs> I do. I did not write an outro. I was not prepared. Uh, so I'm just gonna say goodbye to the rest of you. As a reminder, well, actually, it's not coming out on Tuesdays anymore. We're now a Wednesday show. Uh, so yes, wait for that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, if you like it, subscribe, share. Oh, I don't know, review it, do whatever whatever you want, but just like interact with it, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. And thank you so much. See you next week for more MMA and other stuff. Bye.